Okay, podcasters, this is the tune I did on Adam's show and, and um, New Year's Eve. Uh, that really, uh, the audience really enjoyed, stood up and clapped and was ready for Adam to come on. Um, so here it goes. I also play a little harmonica on this one. Just riffs. All right, here we go.
Okay. Hi, podcasters. Welcome. I think this is our 16th, I think, or... I think 18th or 19th. This is the second, our third show of the second season. Oh, that's right. Oh, we had a season already? Yeah, yeah. each year's a season, so this is the second season, third episode. Okay. We should run in quarters, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> third, so this is considered our second season. I didn't know that. And this is the third. Anyway, we'll cover a couple topics today. The first place with um, Ray and I, we'll kind of check how... Um, the idea of how are we really here? And are we really here in our bodies and posture? And so, for the podcast people, if you want to follow along with us, would be as you sit at your computer or whatever your situation is, you kind of have a sense of yourself and posture being an important part of it. And I'm going to say a little bit more about posture as we go on. But anyway, the first thing I want to talk about is. Um, the Zen idea of beginner's mind. So Ray and I will work with this a little bit. Uh, the idea that uh, what's in front of me and what's speaking and who's speaking, and but somehow I take it in with the idea of an empty mind, a mind that's not just uh, full of memories and feeling what I'm bringing to it like I know or I don't know, or shall I put this away for another time, um, some gain, some loss. In the Zen world, the attempt is to put that aside. So when you, you say empty mind, it's not like you're a, a lop head. It's not like you're dumb. Right. You just literally have something in yourself, a sensation of yourself, what, what is, uh, of an emptiness of mind. So we're first going to try that. So Ray, as I speak, and you see how you're feeling, see the posture, and I'm kind of checking my posture. As my words, as you hear the words, you have an awareness also with it about, am I really open to what I'm hearing? If a judge comes, if memory comes, and you just let that come and go. But you have a sense of, of approaching my life with as empty as mine as I can. Allow in what's coming in and um, trying to, it's not easy. It's something that takes time. You usually have to go through meditation for it. So um, sitting down, there's a Zen of meditation for, um, for the Zen people is approaching it with as empty as mind as possible. And what comes and goes, you just let that happen. Just come and go. You know, the funny thing about that is, like you said, empty mind, and, and I automatically went to, like, dingbat or stupid, you know? Mm. So it's kind of ironic that that would pop in my head when you're speaking of something that's pretty profound and pretty hard to do. Yeah, so that's the first thing. And you, and you acknowledge that that's what comes. This is what you're doing right now. There's no thought. That's, 
So we have an idea that I'm not going to greet it just the way you did with thought, and I have my versions of that too. Um, but let it come in with the idea of no thought. To obtain something, to get something, to be wiser, to be enlightenment, all that we try to put aside. All self-centered thought we're trying to decrease. So that what does come into us, just in our general life, we allow it to come in. Which, which, because what we usually bring to things limits what comes in. The quickness of our opinions and our old spins of winning and losing and image and all that appear, we try to put that aside. And just like a breath of air, what's coming in is just coming in. And then in the, in the world of Zen, that's called beginner's mind. The mind to really go someplace eventually must start with beginner's mind. So no thought of achievement, no thought of gain, of the self, as though we're true beginners. Nothing to win, nothing to lose, no enlightenment, nothing, just beginning mind. So that's, that's very, it's a strange one for the Western world because we're very, we're all full of agendas and preconceptions and judgments and it's almost like the last thing we do. But in the Zen world, that's a very important beginning. So we'll see today as you and I work, because we work with a very beginner's mind and not particularly working to go anywhere. And one thing about beginner's mind leading to the second thought is that there's a compassion with beginner's mind that's different than a mind that's um, full of thought of uh, what's this for me, what's my possibilities, and so on. So beginner's mind and a feeling of compassion. So that's more of a feeling than um, being, being thought about. So the difficult thing is to keep the beginner's mind. That's the hardest part, because it can go right back to thought, opinion, very quickly. So as you and I work with this, let's see if that's possible. So you said the first thing was that to do with it was something to do with dummy or empty or, I mean, with a person that doesn't know and therefore is in some way off because they're not putting that spin on it. But as you follow it, we'll just see whatever occurs to you. So we're both trying it together. It's so funny because you, get, you, get, you almost get flooded with thoughts, but then the more... You speak, the more you can put that away a little bit, at least for me, you know, because I get flooded with, like, judgments and, you know, okay, what are you talking about? But then when you get the the feeling of it and you get, you know, the gist of it a little bit, you see how it's it's a doable thing. But there's a lot of peripheral stuff going on, 
like almost trying to attack it, like kick it out. Mm. For me. Yeah. Okay. So that's how it begins. And you acknowledge that that's there. And you go back to beginner's mind. Is that like something you try and practice through the day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. This is uh, the idea. This is the beginning of something for, for the life of a, uh, an initiate or someone that's interested in um, the ideas of Buddhism. And, it, and it's uh, buttressed by meditation. So in the morning, when we head for a meditation and we sit down and we uh, get a feel for the room and feel for posture, feet on the ground, right there, the thought, I, I enter this with beginner's mind. Because in meditation, we can think it's this or that, we'll be able to get this or we'll be frustrated with that. But you go back to beginner's mind. No matter what comes, I go back to a more empty mind. Now, usually, what's behind an empty mind is a certain calmness. So, I can feel that. Behind this emptiness is kind of a calmness. So, I kind of take life in, in a little more relaxed way. So if I'm driving down the freeway or heading or late, um, I have a sense of going back to this emptiness and beginning to experience the calmness. And if I'm with interacting with a person, people, there's also compassion with it. That's different than sense-based mind, which is always looking out for what's in it for me. So we'll try that today. See how that, see how that comes. And then also, when you leave here, and go back, you you're working today. You're working on a job today, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what what are you what are you what what's your activity today? What are you heading back towards? To? I'm going home to my garage. So you're working in your garage. Yeah, I'm cleaning up. Oh, okay. So you're doing some cleanup today. You're not particularly on a job today. No. Huh? Okay. So, um, and what I'm going home to on a little freeway drive from here to Altadena, and you know, um, thoughts about what's happening at the session and what happened. I did a promo this morning. I came in for Adam's show. You know, there's a part of me that wants to think about an improvement, and all that will come. But at the same time, I have my hands on the wheel of the car and I'm having a feeling of beginner's mind with the sensation of touching the wheel and seeing what's going by me. I want to come back to beginner's mind, emptiness. So that's what I'll do. And I'll be going home and probably practicing trumpet as I didn't get a chance to do it this morning. So I'll be um, back on the trumpet. And the trumpet, I use the trumpet in that way, too. The trumpet, to me, is like a, a craft, an expertise that I'm trying to, since I've been very not good with my hands, and craft has been, you know, put in a screwdriver or anything around the household. I've been very 
I've always managed to get out of that all my life. So it's almost as though in the Zen world, you're like a beginning craftsman. And think about beginning of learning anything, working with it. There's a quite a period where you have to learn about what the craft is. And to come into it with a more empty mind. You gotta have like attention when you're starting something out, if you don't know it, especially. Okay, so there's an attention. Trying to really be there with an attention and go through the give and take of learning a craft. And that takes a while and there's patience. To have some compassion with ourselves would be something then. The thing behind part of Zen is that we're really trying to get to know. Mostly this is skipped over in a lot of uh, psychology and Western psychology as our own physical body. We're trying to come back to our body and mind. That's why at the beginning we talk about posture and sensation. To get to know one's body. So if you slump over, I just made a, you know, it's a slumping motion, got away from the mic. As you slump over, you begin to, the mind begins to wonder. But, uh, try that sometime. Um, try that, let's say watching TV or something, and you find yourself in a slumped position. How the mind begins to wonder. It starts to go at daydreams. So as soon as you move away from the part, that's why we're, these postures we're talking about, it's not just about meditation. It's using these postures in your life. So if you slump, you lose yourself. Think about that. I see this mostly if I watch some TV. Probably what's going on on the screen and the combination of that, that I'm, and I'm forgetful, and I find myself slumping. I keep catching myself that. And and the first thing I feel I want to do, first of all, the, the straightening up has me wake up a little bit. Now I'm wondering what I'm watching. I'm wondering if I should be watching it at all. But I couldn't do it from a slump position. It's interesting. Slump, daydream, imagination. I can go right with, say it's a movie, I can get, go right into them, and I slump more and more. I don't know if you experience that or not the slump of life okay a life slump well i mean like you say like when you by the way this is a full-time job jim i mean you got the meditation you have the empty mind i mean it's a it's a constant struggle you know and you you said last week to me you know pay attention more to my posture which i'm trying to do today and and i've been conscious of it but I also notice when you're in a slumped mind, that's when other entities of your persona or personality have mm. a chance to creep in. Yeah. You know, slumped mind, shot of whiskey. Slumped mm. mind, cigarette. Slumped mind, jerk off. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, right? It's the slumped mind is like the parasites enter. Yeah, like you're not home. So mm-hmm. guess what happens? Mm-hmm. The boss is asleep in his little television show, and the little varmints can enter now. Hmm, that's a good point you're making. 
And podcaster people, see if that's true for you, for those that would like to try that, even driving in anything. The moment of coming to a right posture is like you've come to some enlightenment. That's it. You got it already. Yeah, but to be aware of your truth is rather painful, isn't it? At least I think it is. I mean, if you're willing to really face it, even on a small level like you're talking about right now, just being conscientious of that. Now you take, now you look at that and you go back, let's say, how old I am, 47 years. Ooh, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and you're in some pretty deep habits and everything else. And now to look at mm -hmm. that and see that it's, ah, that ain't the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how can I do that, not as an overall or get the disappointment or the, depression that comes from this is all too much. How can I still again come back to the beginner's mind? Here we go. Here's that thing again. So I have a part saying, look, this, this is happening. Okay, could you come back to beginner's mind? That gives you a new start. You got a kind of, yeah, a new beginning. So all that load that you've just brought in could be experienced in a little different way. And then you could have a little compassion for yourself and instead of thinking, you're an idiot or, you know, just some... Oh, I'm not an idiot. Everybody else is. You know? All right. I was, I was trying to put it on somebody else. <laughs> so I could... And that's why... And that's a point that Zen makes that's very... Others also do that. But the point is to move from the slump and the daydream by straightening up, you're now in a more... With it, mind, the more... Present. Present, that's a good word. More present, mind. And, you, and you've temporarily become awake, but we can't... What we'll find then is that we don't stay awake. So we come awake, we straighten ourselves out, and then we'll see five or six minutes later, back to slumping again. And that's going to back and forth, and I think that's part of what Ray's saying, is um, the, there's a struggle in trying to do that. Yeah, there is a struggle, and you and you almost welcome the struggle because the struggle the struggle at least means you're on to something, and you're attempting to see if you could bring those two natures to it, and um, see what comes of it. The only thing we're adding today is what we've been talking about: posture. Is this empty mind? So the combination of those two coming back to myself through the posture. I'm driving on a freeway, just like sit up a little bit. See, even then we can kind of slouch down. Just sit up a little bit, it's still on the drive. And notice that little difference. When you sat up, something seems like it woke up. Hmm. So Ray said it's a full-time job. Yeah. Even like if you were anything you would learn, really, of any master craftsman, uh, it would be kind of a full-time job to really learn that. Think of anything to really know it. It would be with you a lot. It becomes... I know since in my time of life, uh, what's one of the major things I work with is music and 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 the craft of the trumpet. So I have something where somebody else might go out to the garage and tinker with, you know, 
something. Mine is the trumpet. And um, so I have something I could really work with. So as I, when I begin to approach the trumpet in the morning, this is after I have my regular morning routine and meditation is over and I've already been to Mass. All that's done now. And about 9 o'clock, I head towards the trumpet. And for the folks in the world, are you head towards a job in the world. You're going to drive somewhere after maybe you've had breakfast or some preliminary thing you did when you got up, dressed, and so on. Now you're heading for something. And a certain kind of an awareness can come from that. So as I walk into the music room and there's a trumpet on the stand, you know, I look at it. And I sit down and I, I pick it up in a way that's I, like I caress it. I pick it up and I kind of hold it. I realize the possibilities of the music I could make with it. Um, there's like an affection for it. I hold it in a gentle way, and though I have to begin with not even playing the trumpet, what we call the buzzing, which Ray likes me to do once in a while, I don't even start to blow into the trumpet. I start with something I don't particularly like to do, because a lot of is the buzzing and eventually the mouthpiece. And so before I even get to the trumpet, I have those preliminary things. But when I, by the time I get to the trumpet, it really helps me. That buzzing and that mouthpiece exercises, when I put them on the trumpet, makes the trumpet so much easier. Because I've already been through slogging with all that other stuff, and, and now the trumpet blows so much easier as I begin that. So, so, so wait a yeah. minute, how long into your routine do you, does it take for you to start blowing the trumpet? It varies. There are times I'm... I want to get to it sooner. I have something in mind. But I'd say before I actually blow the beginning preliminaries with the trumpet, which still is preliminary stuff. I'm not into any fun or melodies. Uh, let's see, the buzzing in the mouthpiece. I would say about 10, 10 minutes. No, it's, so it's not a long time. It feels long because, it does, because it's not fun. It's like, you know, you're doing sit-up. So I'm anxious to get to play the trumpet. But I'd say about 10 minutes before I actually get into the trumpet. And then do the preliminaries. And, I, and the preliminaries also I'm not particularly wanting to do. And they're just exercises for the embouchure. So those. So by the time I get to what I call playing, you know, the background CD and playing a good jazz piece or something, studying different kinds of jazz pieces, and I've already put the sit-ups. I've done that. I've done the preliminary work. I ran my mile. Now I'm ready to play the trumpet. And by the time I get to that, then I'm really, it really feels good to be able to play. So something like that goes on for me. But each step along the way, and I ask the folks to think of the steps along the way before they get to their craft, and the awareness they bring into their craft, what it feels like. What's that like for you, Ray, as you... Well, like you, you, when you spoke of the trumpet, I likened it to my work, and I have nothing going on like that. Like, I don't look forward to, you know, 
remodeling a kitchen or whatever. I mean, sometimes I do. I'm splayed with it, you know. Sometimes I get excited about it or go, this is going to be really great. Or I have, you know, yeah. full, you know, I don't have to really listen to the customer because they trust me or something like that, which I like, I prefer, you know. So, but I, the way you were describing the instrument with, um, you know, you have a passion for it or, or whatever, you know, like you have a real, you're engaged with this thing. Mm. I don't get a lot of that. I mean, that's, I don't think a lot of people get a lot of that. But that planning when you're, Doing a kitchen, let's say, or and the pieces or just building come, something, or building something. Doesn't something come together? Does it feel a certain way? Or yeah, I feel like I got to finish. You know, that's what I always feel like even before I start. Oh, I start. But I, I mean, I know I have a malady in that area. You know what I mean? I got. That's what I got. I got. I got a nervous mind from my pops. You know, and I got. Mm. You know, and I know. I know what I'm dealing with. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I can get, I get satisfaction out of it. And before you know it, you know, the day's up or the job's done. I mean, if you really put your head down. But it takes putting your head down to get there. Does time go pretty quick? When you're in it, yeah. If you're not in it, though, no, it crawls. Mm. You know, if you're, if you're in it and you're really there and you're present, yeah, it goes fast. But that's with anything. Mm. You know, but if you're not and you're all over the place, like I have a tendency to be sometimes, then it'll crawl. Mm. You know, but I think that's with anything, too. I mean, we're making a, a work analogy or you with your trumpet. But, um, you know, it sounds like you're having a great time with your trumpet. And I, you know, splay the difference. I, sometimes I have a really good time doing what I do. And then other times, you know, it's a struggle even to be there. I'd much rather go home and take a nap. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that's my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you know... How long do you play the trumpet for? Uh, let's see. I mean, is it like a full-time job? No, I, I, no, I take my breaks and read and go to lunch, but I, but I come back to it. You know, I come back to it two or three times during the day, and uh, I usually try to have a night session too. I mean, not late. I'm aware of neighbors and so on. Um, put a mute on it. Um, I like to have one night session. The night session I look forward to, of course, that's when I don't have to do any of the preliminaries. <laughs> In other words, I, I make that my fun session. I don't do any characteristics, any judging studies, scales, and all that stuff. Uh, so I go right to something. That's my reward. Just put a good... Did you go to school section. for this? For what? For the trumpet. Did you go to, like... Some preliminary school? Oh well, all my life I grew up with it, and I studied with teachers. Yeah, but the state of mind I was in, there's a certain learning and and that I couldn't, I could, I didn't get it. You weren't open to. Yes, I wasn't there, and I was anxious, like your nervous mind. Uh, I was anxious to get to the fun parts, and didn't, and I wasn't able to really, you know, I consciously was in a state of consciousness was that I couldn't absorb it to the degree, uh, you know, that I wanted to be there. Um, are you a better trumpet player now than you were in your youth? Yeah, definitely. You are. Yeah, because my state of mind, that's an interesting thing to see in ourselves. Over the years, the state we're in and uh, whatever we're doing at that time. Yeah, I feel like a much better trumpet player. I still have the same weaknesses and there's things I see that are not going to... Particularly at this old age, I do have 
some trouble with the physicality of the trumpet, um, particularly with range and consistently staying up in certain areas. As I was mentioning last week, the wind, uh, the air coming from me and and uh, trying to let that um, my armature be, be uh, uh, ride the wind while the wind isn't as strong anymore. So I really have to pump down and see if I can get more wind and to keep it going in high register playing, middle high middle register. That, that's a super physical instrument to play too, isn't it? Uh, well, I think brass instruments would have a certain physicality, but others do too. Um, you know, what might be different with piano or uh, string instruments. I mean, there's a certain point with that. But that pumping of air. Yeah, I'm talking like if you look at Louis Armstrong or like Dizzy Gillespie or something, that he played the trumpet, right? Yeah. I mean, those guys' heads look like they're going to explode. <laughs> I mean, you got that, the neck thing going, the whole thing. I mean, and you're not, a, a, a very, you're not like a physical guy. You know what I mean? I mean, if I saw you on the street, I'm not going to be scared. But, like, if you saw somebody like Louis, like, those guys were big people, it looked like. Yeah, well, they, they, both, they both had embouchures where they blew their cheeks out. And, and uh, Louis, Louis wasn't a big man, but he played trumpet like he was a big man. He got a big sound, big register, and was very flamboyant and so on. Dizzy, who I'm, Dizzy Gillespie, who I had, who I had the opportunity to, to not play with him in his band, um, but to be the opening group before he went on. When I worked at Latin Casino in New York, uh, I was with an opening band, but I had the great pleasure of uh, hearing him every night. So that was when, when we were through, our set was all opening for him. We tried to keep the audience there. It was in a, it was in a nightclub that was in part of like a, a large Vegas showroom, the Latin Casino, so within the Latin Casino, where they had the major acts, Tony Bennett and you know Frank Sinatra and those people, Liberace, well, just thought of that name. He used to be there a lot. In fact, they're going to do a movie about him. I hear Douglas is going to play Liberace. I think somebody's some actor that's going to play Liberace. He was very big in that period, fifties and sixties. Drew great crowds. But anyway, within that network, this large the Las Vegas network, within that premise on those grounds was a bar and a club, and the smaller acts went to that part. And that's where Dizzy was. And I played with an opening band. So it was great to be able to uh, remember my uh, the job in my band was to try to keep the audience there so uh, when, he came, uh, when he left, uh, people would leave. You know, it was a bar. And uh, our job was to try to keep the people there till he came back, not so much for what we were playing. But, uh, yeah, he was a guy that his whole face blew out. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, but he was a wonderful trumpet player, and that was a joy for me. I think he was there for two weeks, and I was... Did you, like, did you get it when he played? What he was doing? Yeah. yeah. Would you look at him in you know astonishment and amazement? Oh sure, oh sure. And he was particularly strong in the high register, in which I wasn't. So I was amazed. And he was a very uh, creative improviser. So he not only knew the instrument and played it like he really knew it, with great uh, 
energy and his cheeks blowing out like it was like he could swallow the trumpet. I mean, uh, he could eat it. And with this big sound he had, then he had a trumpet where the bell went straight up in the air. Like, yeah, I've seen that. Seen that? Yeah. So, and he had that. And uh, so I would lay, I would sit back in the corner in the nights and just blow. And I, I got to know him. He was a very nice, he was a very funny guy. And um, he knew, you know, he knew where I was. So he was generous. Um, not, not to say anything. Or, uh, he was, in comparison, he was such a, a different player. You know, I feel, you remind me that I forgot about that I had the opportunity to be with this. And, yeah, that you ever hang it. out with Miles Davis? No, <laughs> Miles Davis. Miles Davis was a, he could be a pretty critical man. He wouldn't want to hear me play. He'd think it would be terrible. Um, he was, um, he, he was, he was, he was hard to, um, he was hard to get along with, Miles. But he was a wonderful, wonderful player and a, a very schooled player. Now, Didn't was, he go to Juilliard or something like that? Yeah, and he went, um, his father was a physician, so he was different than where most of the black players that I knew came up with. They came from lower class families and struggled up, but he came, his parents were more middle class, upper class, and he, yeah, and he went to Juilliard, so he really learned the trumpet um, well from a, the first trumpet player in the New York Philharmonic. Oh, he was? Um, no, he wasn't, but he... Oh, that's where you, he learned. Yeah, when you go to institutions like Curtis in Philadelphia and Juilliard and now in Berkeley and so on, you usually study with uh, very wonderful trumpet players, and usually they take them from the orchestras. So in Philadelphia, if you're at Curtis, then it's the Philadelphia trumpet player, you know, solo trumpet player or anybody in the section. They use about four trumpets. They're all kind of master trumpet players. You you had put the, you know, when you talk about, like, you're not passion or whatever, but you're like your work. You had put the trumpet down for quite a while too, right? Yeah, I didn't play for years. So when I started... Like how many years? Like oh, 20 or something? Yeah, something like 10. I don't, I don't know, remember exactly. But yeah, I thought my trumpet days were over. So a very funny thing happened late in life where now I felt differently and I really wanted to do things I couldn't do in another state of mind, in another consciousness. But I had to start right from the beginning with no embouchure at all and start long tones and that very, very beginning stuff. You played for us at lectures, <clears throat> and your um, <clears throat> your growth from I think you just you started like five six years ago again. Is that about it? About it. Pop. Yeah, but from that, I mean, if if we had a recording from then till now, it's um, there's a chasm there. Yeah, so that's that's been a lot of hard work, and it's been my way to our conscious work. Work, uh, you know, I work for playing, and I work to use that for an awareness. And so I see as we're coming kind of to the end today. So today, well, we got into my trumpet playing at the end. I didn't think we would, but that's where we ended up. Um, I can take you anywhere, my friend. Right. You can take me anywhere. <laughs> so, Especially if I don't have to pay attention to myself. Okay. So today we, um, we went to Zen Buddhism. 
Um, and we talked about beginner's mind. So as we just do a little summary as we're coming to our the show will go about 40 minutes, and I'd say we're just coming in about 38 minutes. So we want to close. Ray, have you, during this time, have you tried the thing we call beginner's mind? Yeah. I mean, sitting here, I have tried. You know, and I do see the judgment come in. I do see, like, you know, I mean, I, I want to pop out one-liners or all that kind of stuff, and I, I nip it in the bud because um, I know it's not, it's not right. Oh, okay. So you caught something in yourself. Right, anything to be off balance, you know? I mean, that's the way I grew up. So I see that I have that in me. Mm. So you got to put that in check. Because <clears throat> what's it going for, you know? What type of mind is it going for? It's going for judgment or to get things off track or, you know, in my self-exploration, I know that. Mm. So to be quiet, though, and have a beginner's mind definitely broadens your horizons. Mm-hmm. Or at I- least puts you present. And it doesn't knock stuff off. And we also spoke about posture. And you seem like you were more conscious of of your posture. Yeah, today, absolutely. Yeah, Putting my feet flat, not crossing my legs, uh-huh. not trying not to slouch as much. I noticed you catch yourself, too. And then I thought about that. And um, you do that when I see you on Saturdays, too. You're constantly, not constantly, but I noticed you prop yourself up and and then you made me aware of mine. And um, I go, yeah, I, I you know, because slack head, slack mind. Yeah. So we, those, those, two po- those two points we made today for our podcaster people and see if that interests you. If, if something could take on, let's see, can I follow my posture today? Just that. And and we're going to lose it if Ray noticed saw me, and I know that I do. I lose it. Um, I, I know when I was talking about the trumpet, I began to lose it a little bit. Um, so that it's always the point is always to go back to it. We can't hold it, so we go back to it. Okay, folks. So this is this is our our work for today. Do you think? Come on. And uh, Ray likes. The buzzing part, for some reason or other, I don't know why, not the musical, but for Ray and for all those of you out there that love it, maybe I'll do a CD just on buzzing. That'll be interesting. trying to build it up so I can go higher. Anyway, that's the sound of it. So I guess our theme is beginning to go on. We're almost perfect for our timing, 40 minutes, 41 minutes. So um, I want to say thank you uh, for coming. And if you have uh, any questions, we also will uh, try to field your questions when they come in. And so from Ray, see you next time. From Jim, see you next time. And um, look forward to your tuning in. Okay, bye.
Broadcasting Network.